with Chargers Unleashed Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dan Wolfenstein and Jake Hampton. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, being brought to you by UFC Finn Temecula, Golden Road Brewery, Charger Bolt Family, Tick Pick, and Bet Online. If this is your first time tuning into the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, or wherever you choose to digest your weekly NFL content. Dan Wolkenstein. It's funny because how busy we were last week with the mega crossover podcast with all of Chargers <laughs> unity coming together with the uh, with the event at 5050 Slaters for the diehard bull club that we had on Saturday, which was absolutely tremendous. Five days seems like a long time after that. That seemed like a long time ago to finally be doing another show. I know it's been a minute. Feels like it's been a minute. We're now finally at the tail end of the week. Happy it's Friday, but Dan Wolkenstein, how are you, sir? I am good, Jake. Chargers fans, happy Friday. Thank you so much, Jake. Before I get into my spiel, how are you, my friend? Happy Friday. <sighs> happy it's Friday, sir. Happy it's Friday. <laughs> happy to talk football. Some semblance of football because this is the time of the year of where we're at between OTAs, mini camp before training camp really gets underway here within the next month. But, you know, hey, it's... We we got to keep it going. We got we got even if even if it means that we have to bring in a live show or we have to bring in the fans to try to create some type of subject matter to get them involved. We got to do something. It's you can't go this long without talking serious football and you know creating a little bit of content. So here we are, Chargers Unleashed live. We are live right now. So anyone who has any questions, comments, topics you'd like us to discuss, put them in the comments. Whether you're on Facebook, whether you are on Twitter. Or if you are on YouTube, put them in there, put the topics on, and we will do our best to answer any questions or talk the topics that you guys have. Already, Jake, we've got a ton of folks here in the comments. Herbalist, hey, hey, let's go, bolt up, friend of the show. One of these days, I'm actually going to say his I like name how you still, but- <laughs> like, you've gotten better, Thank but you, you still kind of struggle at saying his name entirely. Herbalist, I need you to just take away that space after B and Illist, and it'll make my life so much easier. Thank you so much. I guarantee uh, you, Dan, if he did that, you'd be like, okay, we have a person in the comment section. Uh, let's see if I bridge it. Oh, it's him. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, uh, leave it as is, man. Reality check is here. My guy's putting up the peace sign and the sunglasses talks about the mega cast again if you have not had a chance to go and watch that episode honestly jake that was one of the most fun episodes that we have had and honestly it was one of the most like i don't know if rewarding is the right word but just being able to have all of the guys on everyone was on their a game everyone brought it guilty as charged locked on chargers the director charger chat podcast and us all live together you guys if you have not had a chance to go listen or watch that one go do it uh, thank you, Reality Check, for uh, the good news in terms of how good we felt. Uh, Jake, we got a quick congrats from Athir. Congrats to me on the new baby. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, Jake, I'm running on fumes with sleep, so do me a favor and just help a brother out. If <laughs> if I start to just like nod off, I'm going to rely on you. Uh, we've got a ton of questions already here. We've got some folks... Uh, wanting to know how Donald Parham's going to look. 
wanting to talk about the Deshaun Watson situation, which that just keeps getting worse and worse by the day. Jake, obviously, I think the things we wanted to talk about, which, again, we'll kind of sprinkle in as we go, uh, we'll talk about Donald Parham being back on this team. We'll talk about Kyle Van Noy and Ronaldo Hill in terms of some of the things that they talked about in the press conferences. We'll talk about Chris Rumpf and some of the things that were happening from OTAs. Dan, um, something tells me you, you've got about like five or six different topics in your back pocket that as we go through with the show, you'll think, oh, yeah, let's talk about that. And then that'll be a part of the show. So this is why I love the live shows is because they can go any direction you want. It's almost as if you know me, Jake. I'm, I mean, <laughs> shot in the dark. Good hunch at this point. Um, chorizo con papas. By the way, that sounds so good right now. Chorizo. Mega cast needs to be a monthly so thing with a, ro- with a rotating host. It was dope AF. Appreciate you. A lot of folks clamoring for that being uh, a regular occurrence. So we'll see what we can do. We're going to see how frequently we can do it. I know with everybody's schedule, just in general, to have what we had go on last week was difficult within itself. And again, because we are at this time of the year, it's a little bit easier for everyone. So we're going to try to see when we could possibly do one. Maybe we get another one before the end, before the uh, the start of the regular season comes up. I definitely was talking to Dan about the possibility of doing one during the bye, which hopefully we would have, mm-hmm. all of us would have enough free time. But we're going to try and do it as much as we can because we had so much fun with that. Yes. James Wagner, happy Friday. Back at you guys, Jake and Sir Dan. Go Bolts. No, go Bolts. God Bolts. But I think he means God bless and go Bolts. It's probably two things at once. He, yeah, he put everything together. <laughs> it's just all consolidated. It one phrase. So again, we are live, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Jake, so why don't we just start off? Uh, why don't we do some of the topics from this week? We talked about Donald Parham is now back. Kyle Van Noy is back. Isaiah Spiller just actually signed his rookie contract today. Yes. So I believe JT was the only one remaining that has not Last signed one. his rookie contract. Um, before we forget, we do have to discuss Donald Parham Jr. is actually going to be at a diehard bull club event this Saturday, tomorrow at Chicka Chicka Wings in Fontana. Oh, check out our, check out our Instagram, check out our Twitter. We'll be posting about it. Um, I will actually be there live along with a lot of the diehard bolt club. And so will Donald Parham Jr. And so let's just start off with Donald Parham, Jake. I was there at the Chiefs game. Super scary injury that he had. Literally went numb, couldn't feel anything, went to the hospital, hadn't played football since. Uh, Here he is now. It's so refreshing to see. Back at the podium, back 100% since mid-March. Before even getting into just the football side of things, like... It's just good to see him back on the field, like back healthy and energized. Talked about like the charges being, you know, part of the family and him having that culture that he loves and him kind of having to kind of take a moment to see like, do I even want to go back to this? And do I love the game that much? Here he is back healthy. And it's just good to see him here, man. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's crazy just to think of, go back and think of that injury and you know, it's, it's not normally how you see people get that level of a concussion. And then when you see it happen and him, the after effects of him still lying on the field, very scary situation. And then to hear how long those lingering effects actually stayed with him. I think it was until like February that he finally didn't end up getting over the effects of that concussion that he endured. So to see him back and then especially to hear the comments of, what he was, you know, the internal discussion with himself along with his family as far as is he ever going to play the game again? Because that apparently was a very, very 
real possibility for him, something that he was truly oh, contemplating. Yeah. Um, and then to come back and say some of the things that he said, just as far as about obviously his, his appreciation that he has for life, appreciation that he has for the game. And then on top of it, being with this team above all else, it was just some of like the most warm-hearted comments that you could ever expect from someone that's coming back from an injury like that. And, uh, and because we've, you know, we've had Donald Parham on the show, Dan, and we know the type of person that he is. It just, it's, it's, it seems like as far as just him as a teammate overall. And again, you see that passion just come out of him for the game. Very excited for him. Very excited to see what he's going to be able to do with Gerald Everett now manning the tight end position. So uh, I, the best goes out for him for this year. I really hope he tears it up. Yeah, I can't wait to see him tomorrow. Just see how he's doing, man. I don't even care about football for him at this point. Like, I do, but first and foremost, like, dude, good to see you back. Good to see you smiling. Yeah. Like, that, that's what's most important. Uh, ben asked a question. If I'm coming to the Broncos game, parentheses, let's ride. I see what you did there. Uh, versus Chargers, will you guys be there? I will be there. LAFB will be there. Jake, will you be there? What's the date for the Broncos game? Don't know. <laughs> I don't have the calendar in front of me, but I know I have the home game, so I will be there. Um, yeah, no, so go, I'll quick. keep you posted. <laughs> okay, so going into Donald Parham, so now onto the football field, he, he kind of talked about some quick takes that I had. He talked about some of the his his desire to kind of be an overall tight end. So he talked about like wanting to do more in the blocking game. Talked about wanting to improve his lower body strength a bit. Uh, talked about his love for the game, and I think the part that I liked the most was. And you heard it from him. You hear it from Kyle Van Noy. You hear it from almost every single player the Chargers have is their love for Brandon Staley and kind of what he brings to the team in terms of like the family camaraderie, kind of like that, the vibe overall. And so um, Donald Parham looks like he's ready to go. looks like he wants to compete. And it'll be fun and fascinating to see a combination of a Donald Parham and Gerald Everett because I feel like they kind of – complement each other and their strengths slash weaknesses very well. And so finally getting Donald Parham back on the field. Can't wait to see him. The dude's a monster. I think he, I mean, I legit think he's the tallest player in the NFL. Okay. I think he's six, six, eight. I want to say, um, well, not the entire yeah. NFL, but definitely one of the bigger tight ends in the league. Who's taller? Sure. Who's, taller who's taller than six, eight. Like uh, that's a freaking monster, man. <laughs> you're, you're, you, you can find a couple offensive linemen that are, are that size. I'm sure of it. I can't remember how tall Makai Becton was, but that's a big dude. That's a big guy. Okay, well, while I'm talking on the next thing, Google it. See who the tallest player in the NFL is. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Just to to touch on that real quick, Dan. Talking about the combination of the expectations between Donald Parham and Gerald Everett for this upcoming season. We talked a lot about what we all expected to to see between when it was Jared Cook and Donald Parham. And with Coach Lombardi coming in and manning the offense in that first year, we thought that we were going to see a lot of the two tight end sets, and we did. And we really thought that it was going to be a, you know, a, a matchup nightmare when you put the likes of Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams around in that type of skill set. Now, did those occurrences that we thought would take place in the red zone come up as often as we thought that they would? Unfortunately, not. They didn't. But I liked Donald Parham's uses in the red zone, especially, you know, sprinkles, uh, sprinkles throughout the season. It was very, very good. And of course, with Jared Cook, you know, he was more of the between the 20s type of guy for me as far as where the production from him was coming on. Obviously, he had the struggles with the drops. So the tight end position didn't 
as far as the expectations goes, when we saw it on paper, it didn't come to the fruition that we thought it did. Now you're talking about these comments from Gerald, or excuse me, from Donald Parham wanting to become a more complete tight end. Coach Lombardi went into his comments last week about what Gerald Everett brings to the game when you look at his film, not just from the yak standpoint, from a blocking standpoint. And then look how Seattle was using him on jet sweeps for crying out loud. Because anytime that the Chargers utilize anybody essentially on a jet sweep, you know, it's Christmas. Well, I mean, it's Christmas only if it ends up working out. Because do we use unless it's a 15 yard? Are they productive? Not as much as you'd like. So no, I think there's a lot more potential behind this combination than, of course, you add Trey McKitty in your tight end room as well to see what ends up coming out of there. So, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be definitely something. Uh, I, we, you know, we talked about it. Tight end arguably may be the most underrated and underappreciated position on this team. So, looking forward to see them both in training camp. Agreed, Jake. I don't remember. Keep me honest here. Was it Melvin Gordon and Travis Benjamin that had that like jet sweep end around 15 yard behind the line of scrimmage fumble fiasco? One thing I remember from Travis Benjamin on any end around that he was doing was, I mean, technically it wasn't a jet sweep. It was his, his return where he then chose to go backwards the other way and then ended up getting tackled at like the two yard line. It was, that was just wonderful. horrendous. James Wagner comes out. How about the new hype video from the director? Amen. Absolute fire. If you had not had a chance to go check out, I think it's like titled Legacy, I believe. Go check out the director's Chargers 2022 hype video. He did amazing. I know he put in blood, sweat, and tears into that, and it turned out great. So, yes, I agree. Go check it out. Reality Check has a question. Jake, this is an interesting one. Who has more control... In this organization at this point, Staley or Telesco? Now, the easy answer is to say, well, I think it's 50-50. We're not doing that. If one had more control, who would it be? I mean, Dan, it depends on how you look at this. If you're thinking of bottom line, bottom line control still resides with Telesco. But over the last two years, you can definitely see the difference in some of the moves that Tom Telesco has made, whether we're talking about free agent acquisitions or people that they've drafted. Staley has rubbed off on Telesco in some form or fashion. So has Telesco changed because of Staley? Yeah, I think that there has definitely been an influence there. As far as the bottom line goes, Telesco still holds the, you know, the, the the final gavel, if you will, but you can make an argument that Brandon Staley has had a lot of control. Yes, I, I, so folks here think in the comments think that it is Staley uh, <laughs> and not even close. Now, I will say this: I think it is fair to say that Brandon Staley has had more influence on Tom Telesco than any coach he's had here in LA, and it's not even close. And I think there's a lot more partnership there, and I think. Brandon Staley has a lot more influence on the players that come in and the scheme that they run and the fits and all that kind of stuff. But to your point, at the end of the day, like Telesco has to go make the deal and they got to get it in the salary cap. So like the buck stops with Telesco, but I think he is allowing more and more collaboration with the head coach. So is there still more control with Telesco? I probably would err that way, but I think some of the... I think he's relinquished some control to Brandon Staley and said, hey, what do you guys want? And then I'll find a way to make it happen. So I kind of agree. It's close to 50-50. 
and as the Chargers fan, seeing what has been happening in the past, like I kind of, I kind of like that. Like I don't necessarily know if you want your head coach to have everything, because like imagine if like Brand Staley had. I mean, okay, he's a little bit of an exception because he's a smart dude. But like, imagine if a random head coach had all of the control. How about Bill Belichick? Like, I mean, okay, also another brilliant dude. So just other like the gen the generic head coach put him as GM doesn't work out really well. It, it's hard to do that. Uh, so right on cue, Jake reality check has a follow-up question. Would we be opposed to Staley being kind of the next hoodie in terms of giving him full control? Like Belichick has new England. Like do you, do you see them being like adios to Lesko in Staley? We trust full, tr- like true and true. Look, pump, pump the brakes just for a second. Okay. And I'm, I'm, we're talking about a guy who only has one year of head coaching experience under his belt. And just like you, I love what I've seen thus far, whether it's on the field or through the moves that he's made during the offseason. But also remember, who owns the team? So don't get your hopes up on any full control of Staley coming anytime soon. Yes. Uh, we, will get, we will get to more of your questions and comments. Keep them flowing, and we will get to those as we continue on the episode uh, Jake, another one, another press conference, Cal Van Noy came out and you can't help but be so juiced every time the guy talks, uh, always has an amazing smile on his face, brings so much energy, brings so much uh, perspective and experience, won a Super Bowl, uh, he knows what it takes. And I think from his press conference, there's some key takeaways that I had, but one of the things that I first kind of picked up on was he had mentioned that like he could care less about the stats. And I know stats are how people get paid, but like to him, it's championship, it's chip or bust. And it was cool to to hear him say like, you know, people talk about how he's kind of, um, you know, not like everyone else. Like he has a different play style, kind of looks different, but like the results speak for themselves. And to hear him kind of say like someone else didn't have the stats, I don't care, it's a win. Um, Kyle Van Noy, I still can't believe he's a charger, man. Like one of probably my top three underrated most valuable pickups this offseason. It is crazy to hear it when you're talking about Kyle Van Noy is technically coming in as your edge three behind Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. Like, are you kidding me right now? I mean, that's that's something within itself for the pass rush turnover, essentially, that you're going from Enchena Nuosu and Kyler Fackrell in a single season, and you're bringing in Khalil Mack Kyle Van Noy, yes. Are they a little bit on the older side? For sure. Have they shown more production as as far as a veteran presence? Yes, 100% they have. So in my opinion, both of those moves were a huge upgrade. And it, it was crazy just from a standpoint of, you know, it may not be getting talked about as much. And But for the reasons that he has been brought in and why Coach Staley thought to brought him in is for obvious reasons from the standpoint of versatility. We're going to keep harping on this month after month after month until the regular season starts. Hell, we'll probably say it more, at least 24 more times throughout the regular season. Brandon Staley has said multiple times that he wants his defense to be multiple, to be versatile, and have that at every level of the defense. And when if we're talking about just the defensive line, you look at Kyle Van Oy, he's arguably, along as far as along the defensive line goes, 
your most versatile player because yes, he's going to be brought in to come on off the edge. If you need him to, hopefully you wouldn't because I'd rather see him at the edge than I would in the middle, but he can come in and play next to Drew Tranquil if need be in an emergency type situation. So having that versatility there is huge. On top of him being a veteran in this league, on top of him having the mental IQ and leadership that you want to add to this team, I thought that was a spectacular move. And uh, everything that he's been saying thus far from, you go back to his interview with Haley Elwood and obviously his, his comments that he's made earlier this week, you just can't help but get hyped to have him as part of this defense. Yes. So some, of, some of the things that I kind of took away from his press conference, um, he, he, he commended Coach Staley like everyone else does, uh, on both his leadership and the atmosphere and the tone set as a team. Uh, he compared the environment here in L.A. to previous uh, stints, and he, he had mentioned that the the vibe here is refreshing, and, and he likes it. Um, talking about, like, camaraderie, he likes – he talked about the fact that he likes the group of guys, likes that they are able to, like, enjoy time being around each other already, already hanging out, has a ton of fun. Um there was actually a moment, Jake, you know, everyone talks about like the glowing Brandon Staley stuff. There's a moment where uh, he was, you know, hyping up Brandon Staley, talking about him and laughing and enjoying it. And then I think it was Brandon Staley kind of walked off camera, but walked across. And, and Kyle, I know I literally just like shout over to him like, hey, I'm talking good about you right now. And he and Coach Staley kind of had this like back and forth. We were just like laughing. And, and you'd like to see that like for players and coaches to kind of have that like banter this quickly, especially for someone who just got in here. Um, he, he talked about like wanting to kind of prove the, the doubters and the haters wrong, but more importantly, which I kind of like this mindset talked about him being more excited to prove the people that believe in him. Right. And you know, for me, like kind of flipping those negative comments into a positive, like that's some of the stuff that I think Jake, this team doesn't have a history of. Like there's so much noise, there's so much history and baggage and and lack of success, if we're being honest, where things mm-hmm. have gone wrong, the ball's gone the wrong direction. It's good to hear someone who brings in that positive spin and has experience with it and seeing it work. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you can't... There's. I don't really know what more you want me to add to that, Dan, because, I mean, that was a perfect way to say it just as far as... Again, it just encapsulates the leadership, the mentality, the mental IQ, and the overall camaraderie that he understands what it is that Coach Staley is building here and how he's going to be included in this group. 100%. Um, Question came in. This is kind of a fun topic. Uh, Hey, fellas, let's talk a bit about the defensive plan and how the Chargers are going to utilize all these DBs. Now, Jake, I don't know about you, but... Like every every once in a while, I'll just kind of like randomly go turn on YouTube or go look at some articles, whatever. Today, I found myself going checking out JT Wood stuff. Can I tell you how damn excited I am to see JT Woods on this defense? Like, <laughs> you're not he, the only one. He arguably could be the best, like, you know, deep safety, center field, range safety in this draft. And the guy's just got ball hawking skills and always seems to be around the ball. And uh, so to answer the question, like I'm I'm just imagining like JT Woods, Derwin James, JC Jackson, Asante Samuel Jr. Sprinkle in Nazir Adderley there a bit. Like all those guys on the same field, like good Lord. Like every one of those guys are ball Hawks. 
Like those are all, I think Dan Wade talked about on our mega crossover. Like they're all closers. Yep. And so I think that's what's exciting to me is years past, you had Derwin James, and I guess you could say Asante Samuel Jr. was probably the only other quote-unquote closer. Nazir Adderley, you think would be it, but for whatever reason, he's just been like a hair too hair on fire and runs a little too fast. I think he's under more control in theory. But like before, we hadn't had many of those guys. Like Michael Davis, I don't think you would say is a closer. Like I don't think Rashawn Jenkins is a closer. Um, so I really don't think Casey Hayward was a closer. Great player, but now you got like bona fide athletes who could just take the ball away. So how I see this defense working, you talked about multiple, but I think they're going to have kind of all these team, all these players kind of cross training to where it's going to be kind of a positionless backfield. So I don't think we talk about it. I don't think it's going to be corners, safeties, you know, free strong. I don't see it that way. You're just going to have five guys who can go get the ball all interchanged throughout the entire season. It's it's funny because th- these were these were comments that Morgan Fox actually spoke about earlier this week as well. And when you look at the familiarity, obviously with that Teleska or excuse me, that Staley has brought in with Sebastian Joseph Day, Morgan Fox, Troy Reader, these guys understand what it takes, what Staley's expectations were. And Morgan Fox had actually said this, Coach Staley, this is his quote, Coach Staley knows how to use everyone. He knows how to get the most out of his guys. And this, of course, going back to their 2020 year where the Rams were the number one defense in the league, go watch what they did in the secondary. Dan and I even spoke about this. Mm. Outside of Jalen Ramsey, if you look at the secondary talent that he was utilizing there, we're talking about guys that were mid-round picks, obviously because the Rams haven't had a first-round pick since 1992, but they were mid-round picks, essentially, um, that, they, that they were utilizing, and that's what helped make that secondary better. But of course, it wasn't just the secondary aspect. It was literally having all three phases of the defense as a unit working in tandem. If the pass rush is there, that's going to indirectly improve the secondary. So now, as Dan says, on top of you knew what the focus was going to be. And you heard it with, with Staley in his comments even before the draft that you can never have enough DBs. And that is shown from the likes of the aggressiveness and going out and getting J.C. Jackson, taking J.T. Woods in the third round of the draft, also adding ins- insurance with Jasir Taylor and DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Leonard uh, later on in the draft. And then, of course, you had Bryce Callahan just after the draft as another insurance piece all to add on top of Asante Samuel Jr. and Mike Davis. Your secondary is multiple. It has depth. And so I would hope that this season for this secondary, and my God, we haven't even really talked about having Derwin James and Nasir Adderley as part of that, but to have them be as multiple and utilized as chess pieces on top of what the pass rush should improve on, super excited to see what the expectations for this secondary is going to be. Herbalist says 30-plus team interceptions this season. Watch. 30. Do you think they get to 30 this year, Jake? I uh, No. <laughs> no. Do I? Th- look. Will they improve from last year? 100%. That should be yes. <laughs> and that's what your expectation should be. Because much like the run defense was last year, you can't get much worse than that. So you can only go one direction from here. Chorizo and potatoes. JT was over under 350 snaps. Now, I don't know about specific 350 snaps, but 
Do you see him playing as much as, let's say, Nadir Adderley? Yeah. Yeah, I do. do. Go back to, and and specifically, if if you use this rationale, and we heard Daniel Jeremiah talk about this on the podcast, because obviously he was a big fan of the JT Woods pick, but it's it's not so much if you're just looking at him and what he brings to the game, but inserting him into the secondary to move Derwin James around, move him closer to the line, have him play in the slot, cover the tight end. Where do you want to put him? If you can be as versatile and multiple as what Brandon Staley is talking about, JT Woods is truly the key to that and moving Derwin James around. So if that's their goal, if the goal is to make the quarterback look, whether he's at safety, whether he's on the line, whatever the hell he is, but find where number three is, if that's your goal because he's moving around, then by all means, put JT Woods in there as much as possible. Reality check out of the question here. Outside of Tillery, who has the most to lose in training camp this year. There's a lot of guys who have a lot on the table right now. I think Alohi Gilman has a big training camp. I think Josh yep. Kelly has a big training camp. Azir Adderley yep. has a big training camp. Um, obviously, Jerry Tillery has a big training camp. Um, the lower end of the defensive or interior defensive That's line I just gonna say. Yep. has a huge one. Um, but if there's one guy who has the most to lose this training camp, who would you say? I got I got a guy who is I haven't even mentioned yet. Brandon Fajoko is one that comes to mind and it's specific and and not that I not that I think that he's in any trouble because of his play, because his play has been spectacular. And I actually hope that he ends up making the final roster. But just because look at how much you've loaded on the interior of the defensive line this year. Um you were talking about secondary. Yes, I agree with Alohi Gilman. That's another one on top of that with all the secondary players that have been brought in. And with everybody's expectations of what Mark Webb was supposed to or what he was at least looking like during training camp last year, I think that that's where the main battle is going to be held. You mentioned the running back spot, obviously. Um, I don't know necessarily if it would be one where they would end up getting cut. It's either one's going to be insurance or whatever it's going to be, but it should be Matt Filer at right tackle. And if for some weird reason it's not, is what's going to happen with the Trey Pipkins Storm Norton competition? I don't know. Also, I'm going to say a name here Mike Davis. You think about just like that cornerback room, like he very well could be in his last year as a Charger. And, you know, if he wants to say as a Charger, like he's going to have to ball out this year. And considering he has to ball out better than both Asante Samuel Jr. and J.C. Jackson to be considered CB2. <laughs> and his pay and what he's getting paid right now. I don't know. A few people in the, in the comments, Jake, have also mentioned Kenneth Murray has a lot to lose this offseason. Although I would argue he has the most to gain this offseason. I don't know if he has that much I mean, to lose. He, he does. You know, let's just say if we're talking this, if we're talking this offseason or if we're talking about surprise cuts for people that we don't expect to be on this roster come September, Kenneth Murray, Dan, as we said on our episode, is in a make-or-break year. Does he make it to the regular season? Yes, 100%. For a number <laughs> of different reasons outside of what you invested in him, trading up for him in a first-round pick, but also because you could make the argument that the linebacker room has the least amount of depth behind it. So you need as many capable bodies as you can. But yes, I agree. 
you need Kenneth Murray to to definitely step it up this year. Yeah, the unfiltered truth. Phil Robinson, what's up, fellas? Phil, thanks so much for tuning in. Pleasure to have you on Charges Unleashed. Again, if you are just tuning in, this is live. Hi, welcome. Happy Friday. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, if you're on Facebook, if you are on Twitter, or if you are on YouTube, put them in the comments. We'll go ahead and try to get the topics, comments, discussion points up as we continue on. Uh, we're about halfway through here on this episode. Uh, Jake, someone else put a question in here. Let me see if I can find it. But someone, there it is. 30 plus sacks between Mac and Bosa take it to the bank. So what's more, what's more likely? 30 plus sacks between Bosa and Mac or 30 interceptions as a team? Uh, definitely the 30 plus sacks, even though that's, a, I mean, if you're, if you're asking me what long shot is closer to reality, I'll say this one. If, if the Chargers get any, if the Chargers get remotely close to either of those charges are going to be Look, well into the playoffs. That's, that's reminding me of the pass rash duo of Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware when those two were just going off. So yeah, anywhere close to 30 sacks between Bosa and Mac would be heaven. Yep. Herbalist has a question. Um, and it's about kind of the sheer volume of talent. And Jake, you and I talked about kind of the, the Chargers' desperate need to improve their depth on this team. Do you think that this team is going to be kind of revolving this? This goes to his question. Do you see the team playing all of these guys a ton and interchanging a bunch? Or do you see them kind of sitting in the background in case like emergency break glass insurance policy? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest. If and if we're if we're going, you know, I know we've been talking a lot about on the show already about the defensive side of the ball, but you also look at the offensive side of the ball. And even I even go back to some comments of Coach Lombardi last year when even he was right after the season was over, they went back to the film room and they were even having conversations with themselves as coaches to even critique how they were utilizing certain players to know, to say, okay, we know going into this year that we're going to utilize him this way. We've obviously made comments about Gerald Everett. I hope that he is utilized in this offense, the way that he was used in Seattle, which is only going to mean more steps for him. You obviously look at Isaiah Spiller coming in. You need to take a little bit of that workload off of Austin Eckler. Um, outside of that, from everybody that we've been talking about on the defense, whether you're talking about the depth that's now there at defensive line in the secondary, but the secondary was riddled with injuries. It, it just felt like every different week, there was a different guy that was down and you saw what that drop-off looked like when you didn't have X guy there or Y that Y guy there. It just, it, it, it tore everything to pieces. It really did. So I think it's a little bit of both. One, I think that Staley is going to try to maximize everybody, both offensively and defensively for this team, make them as capable of an offense and defense as possible. But again, when you get into the playoffs, you hope that you're as close to 100% as possible. But yeah, for emergency situations, you loaded up on depth and you did it. You did a damn good job of doing it. Yep. Uh, so a couple quick topics here, uh, one of which has nothing to do with the Chargers, but uh, Kyle Tucker asked if someone can go get a random drug test on Devontae <laughs> Adams. Jake, did you see his comments? I saw his comments. <laughs> um, apparently, Derek Carr is just as good as Aaron Rodgers, or we're in the same stratosphere. <laughs> I mean, hey, I know that Derek Carr and Devontae Adams obviously have a history. They're best They're going back to college. I go back to, to Alex from GAC's comments because I thought his was very appropriate. He said, if someone paid me $140 million, I would call Derek Carr Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, 
That was great. Yeah, this is not new news, but I figured there's a few people asking about it, Jake, so we could talk about it briefly. Uh, we saw the news from Schefter and a few people about Dean I like Spanos. how he delivers this, by the way. Spanos getting sued, but how was your Friday? <laughs> so uh, Ben asked, Spanos getting sued, but how was your Friday? Haha, uh-huh, Bezos a buyer? So honestly, Jake, like 30 seconds. There really isn't anything new on this to talk about that we haven't already heard. Uh, I don't think this affects the franchise or this team at all. No. So it's kind of a non-story in my opinion. But I guess the second part, do you see Bezos being a buyer if the team is sold? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't I really know. Don't I mean, care. I don't care to be honest. I mean, look, the the Denver Broncos just got bought out from a person who owns Walmart for crying out loud. So I mean, who who knows? We're we're not even in that realm of territory uh, for a change in ownership. We were far from that line right now. So to me, it's just like, okay, it was another lawsuit. We're still a long way from any possibility of Spanos no longer owning the Chargers. And and last non-Chargers related topic, other than the fact that we are playing the Browns this year, uh, comment come in, no way Deshaun Watson plays this year, right? If all of this is true, I don't think he should see the NFL field again. Is that too harsh? If this all is, of this is true. Yeah, this is a very sensitive subject. I mean, and you look at, you look at, you know, as far as acts that have been done that you've seen in the past, whether it's been caught on camera from the Ray Rice incident, from the Kareem Hunts incident, is this too necessarily that level? No, but the amount. Mike Vick, Mike Vick same thing. Right. The amount of of cases here, the volume is just, it's mind blowing. Do I think that it should be a lifelong ban? I don't know. Do I think that he should be suspended for the entirety of the season? If this comes out to be true, 100%, I definitely would go as far as that. You need severe punishment for something like this, because we're not just talking about someone who did something one time and then you go back and, and possibly do it again as a repeat offender. This is what, the, what did they say, Dan? 24 women now have now come forward with cases over however long of a span that this took place. So there, if this all happens to be true, there is enough evidence for the NFL to come down with very, very swift punishment. It, it, it's it's kind of wild and it feels like every story that comes out, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And I think recently, I want to say it was this week, I think he like made his Twitter account private, which like, mm. <laughs> it's a little weird. Uh, I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to be playing football this year. I really don't. And the interesting, talk- the interesting thing I thought, Dan, because I'm, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you there, but the Browns also sent Baker Mayfield home from you know, from participating in OTAs. So do they know something that's coming? Are they aware of the length of suspension that Deshaun Watson is going to get to have, you know, basically just Baker go home. We don't really need you right now, nor are we really going to have a big need for you in the future, which obviously that was the plan until all of this came out. So I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know how much the NFL is going to hold him in as far as the court of public, well, not court of public opinion, but when he's obviously went through all this, 
the court chose to not indict him for all of this, but then these cases still keep coming out. The piece on the New York Times did nothing to help Deshaun Watson's case. And then the my lawyer? favorite, my favorite did. I was just going to say it. My favorite was the lawyer. <laughs> Happy endings in massage parlors are not such a bad thing. I mean, are you not trying, illegal? Do you, is there a guilty button that's right on my phone? I mean, what what are we missing here? I mean, I can't. Damn. I will say, I I will say, for what the Browns gave up, not just in salary and how much they offered, fully guaranteed, and then they gave up. What was it like three first round draft picks or something crazy? Like this could, if all of this is true, this could arguably be the worst franchise move in NFL history. Someone actually responded to that on Twitter saying, is there any way that the Browns can get a refund if all this ends to be true? And I'm like, <laughs> get out of jail know. free card, literally. I don't think so. I mean, they've already spent one of those first round picks. So Cleveland would essentially get, you know, they got nothing this year if this ends up to be true. But who knows, man? I mean, what you talk about just a tumultuous offseason for for Deshaun Watson. Who knows how this is all going to end up playing out? Yep. Uh, let's see. We've got another question here. Eckler will go down as the greatest player to not make a Pro Bowl. Agreed? I can't believe he didn't make the Pro Bowl last <sighs> year. That, was that, is, that is wild. And I could say that firsthand for anybody who's included in here uh, who had them on their fantasy team last year knows how valuable he was to this team. I sure as hell did. So I I know that he should have been on that Pro Bowl roster. Again, we're talking about the Pro Bowl here, but still, this one makes a perfect sense. I know the Pro Bowl is literally rated as nothing other than the actual accolades themselves. The game itself is not that entertaining, but come on, man. Look what the guy did for the team last year. He deserves at least the title. Her Pro Bowl. Yes. Yep. Uh, question comes in here. Ooh, this is going to be a hot button topic comparing uh, Herbert to Bolo Rivers himself. If Herbert wins 14 games like Rivers did in 20, 2006 and wins a Super Bowl, is Herbert over Rivers? Be honest. Well, yes. I yes. mean, yes. Y- yes. Like, you don't even have there to. There is no but. <laughs> Justin Herbert could win nine games this year and take this team on a playoff run and win the Super Bowl and still be considered the greatest <laughs> ever. Why? Because he brought the Chargers their first Super Bowl victory. <laughs> I mean, yes. But, I mean, if you're looking at, at those stats, remember, 2006 was LT's year. So, I think already... Chargers oh, fans are already Herbert. Already Herbert owns the most touchdown passes in a single season for this franchise. He has surpassed Philip Rivers in a number of different categories in only year two. And I am a huge Philip Rivers yes. fan. Thank but you. if the time comes, whether it's next year, five years down the road, if Herbert is able to bring a Super Bowl to this team, I don't care what the stats are. He's the guy. You could argue, and people are talking about it in the chat, Jake, you could argue that Herbert is already better. And from a sheer talent perspective, I'm not talking about grit, determination, whatever, you know, the intangibles, but from a sheer talent perspective, Justin's a more talented player. I think, honestly, Philip Rivers would say that too. It's hard to deny that. I mean, you just can't. Um, Jake, we are uh, 45 minutes in. We're closing out before we get to the rapid fire questions, last minute topics uh, for folks coming in that are on the chat. Um, we did actually quick recap. We did have a chance 
to go to Slater 5050 in Pasadena. Uh, for folks who have not had a chance to check out that episode or were not able to be there, Jake and I were live from Slater's 5050 with Die Hard Bolt Club and Mr. Zion, Mr. Zion Johnson himself. Tons of people there, tons of giveaways. Zion's a great dude, by the way. The size 18 Crocs uh, were all over that place, taking pictures, videos with literally every Charger fan that was there. Um, the place was packed. Food was great. Libations were had. Uh, lots of water needed to be had at the end. Uh, we got to do a live episode. Tons of those coming up in the future as well. We're going to be there tomorrow at uh, Chicky Chicky Wings in Fontana with Die Hard Bolt Club and Donald Parham Jr. So if you guys have some time, check them out. I think it's like 30 bucks for the meet and greet. And you get to talk with one guy who I think is arguably one of the most exciting players to see come back on the field. Um, so how fun was that, Jake? Like live show at Slater's, Zion's in the house. He actually comes on the show with us for a bit. Get to do a live stream, uh, giveaway Chargers tickets to the Colts game. Got some fourth and Staley giveaways. Uh, man, that was, that was a lot of fun. Don't forget, he was wearing size 18 Crocs as well when he was there. I mean, <laughs> you can't miss those. They're they're humongous. <laughs> but yep. no, the whole atmosphere was great. Getting to meet the guys from Die Hard Bolt Club um, was awesome. Turned out it was a great turnout. There was what about a little over 50 people that ended up coming there, stayed the that. entire time, had a yep. couple of them on the show. Um, that atmosphere was just great to be in that type. And again, I'm I'm South Orange County. So for me, LA is a little bit of a drive. Same for you, Dan. You're in Temecula. <laughs> yep. But just to that was like my first real taste because I haven't gotten a chance to make it out to SoFi yet. I'm hoping that that changes this year. But to be in that presence down in Pasadena. And just see the hype that everybody has for the Chargers heading into the season. We've talked about it numerous times. We talked about it there. The the biggest, the most hype that you've ever seen in a single offseason for this team. It's arguably a debate that you find one that's better than this year's offseason. Yeah. And it was kind of funny to hear him when we had him on the show. He talked about, uh, like... You know, it was, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said like, you know, it's super cool like to see people that were like that hyped and that excited for offensive linemen. Because like normally you don't get that much hype for offensive linemen. And it kind of like with a nod to Chargers fans, like, hey, we kind of know what we're talking about here. Like we kind of know how important it is because our offensive line sucks for the last like decade. So no, we get how important they are. Um, super fun event. Again, you'll be seeing a ton more of those. Uh, Chargers Unleashed, LAFB, and Die Hard Bolt Club has a lot more to come in the future. So stay tuned as we'll have some exciting news to share there. Uh, another question, Jake, if Keenan has a huge year and we don't win the Super Bowl, this is from reality check. Will he resign with us or look elsewhere for for one last huge contract? So his contract expires. His current contract that he's on right now expires in 2024. At that point, he'll be 32 years old. If they extend him to go, whether it's after this season, if he has a huge one, or if he plays out that contract, and maybe you look to sign him to a one-year deal, he'd be 33 at that point. I don't know, Dan. It, it all it all kind of depends. I will say this. When you look at the contract numbers of Keenan Allen now, compared to what the wide receivers have gotten in this offseason, <laughs> arguably one of the lesser appreciated wide receivers in the league, but as far as route running goes, top two, no question. He is 
a bargain at this point when it comes to dollars and cents and contract. So um, I'm not sure what that's going to look like. Uh, I, you definitely know he's going to, I think he would re- retire as a charger. I don't know what type of dollars and cents figures as far as the salary cap, what it's going to look like. I personally think the way that they would operate is they probably have him play out the next two years. And if you, if he did have a huge season, um, I don't even see him being as being like the type of guy that would threaten to hold out and not play that final no. year. So I don't think that the chargers would be pressured in any circumstance to pay him after this year, whether he has a huge year or not. Uh, knowing Keenan Allen, which again, I don't know him that well, but just seeing his history with him and his team and how much he wants to win and how pissed off he gets when his team loses. Cause, and some of it he has said is because of him. Some things he's done. Um, Let's say the team does great this year. Let's say he does great this year. And, you know, they, they make a deep playoff run. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Keenan Allen kind of does like a team-friendly, like team, like a contract restructuring to kind of help do some of that, like, you know, cap magic and get his money somehow, but have it be a friendly deal for the Chargers so that way they can kind of make a deeper run again. Um, I think that's, the, in my opinion, that's probably the most likely scenario is they do some type of contract restructuring before the contract is over, allow him to stay as a charger yep. and allow the team to kind of keep growing. Um, yeah. A question came in. If Keenan has a down year, do we release him? I mean, the o- the only way, the only way I see him having a down year is if he gets hurt because Can he's knock on wood now. Please, no, no, but I'm, I'm saying, re- but even if even that's put the that case, in the stratosphere, I understand. But, but if that's the case, like, It'd be hard to release him. I, I guess the the better question is what what would you consider a down year for Keenan Allen to be? I right. mean, if you if you just go from today and you go back the last five years, th- only one of those years did he not eclipse a thousand yards, and that was only by an eight yard difference. He was at nine ninety two, and has he and he's not gotten less than six touchdowns each season. He's also so, been incredibly healthy and hasn't missed a game. Exactly. So like four or five years. What would you consider to be a a down year? And on top of that, the camaraderie between Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen is just second to none. So the stats are going to be there for Keenan Allen. He's going to get his numbers. Yeah, and and that's the way that he plays too. Like he's a volume receiver and doesn't necessarily you know have the 50, 60 yard deep bombs, but like he'll he's a volume receiver. So I just again. I don't see how he has a quote unquote down year given the roster right now. Uh, this is a fun one. We're wrapping up, Jake. We've got about five, 10 minutes left before we get out of here. Um, before I go back to the questions, Jake, any hot button topics, items you want to cover with the good people that we haven't already discussed? Topics, hot button aspects. Um, not off the top of my head. Again, this is why we do these live shows. I always love answering these random questions just on the cuff. Yep. Okay, cool. Let's keep it going then. Uh, We're officially doing last call for questions and topics before we head out of here, guys and gals. Thank you guys again so much for tuning in to live. Uh, Again, find us on YouTube, Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere you find your stuff. uh, We're there. Uh, Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, Question, I guess we'll keep on the questions for Keenan Allen. Uh, Is Keenan Allen a Hall of Famer? And if not, how much more does he need to do? I know I'm Chargers Homer. I'm going to say no right now. Right now. If he has his career ended right now, I don't think he would be. I love Keenan Allen, but... 
so Dan, here's his stats for career. 730 receptions, 8,535 yards. Great. Average, average is 11.7 yards per reception. Mm-hmm. And averages around 6.6 touchdowns per season. Now, do you remember way back when, when we created, and this was in the, you know, early infant days of this podcast, where we said, if you could take any player from any generation that you grew up with the Chargers, no matter what, you go back to the Dan Fouts, the Air Coriel days, and bring it to the modern time, tell me who your offensive line would have been. Tell me who your wide receivers would have been. Was Keenan Allen part of that? Yes. Is it the same type of Hall of Fame numbers as some of the guys who have come before him? He's getting there. He's getting there. So if you could put guys, you know, like Bambi into the Hall of Fame, other receivers and tight ends that the Chargers have had that have have made their way into the Hall of Fame, Keenan Allen can do that. I just think there's a little bit more production that ultimately needs to be had. The biggest thing with him is you'd like to see a little bit of, of an uptake in the touchdown region, obviously, but five years and, and only one of them just by a difference of eight yards, eclipsing a thousand yards over the last five years. I love that. It's, it's a great trend for him. And I see the trend continuing, but I'm not quite there yet to say that he's hall of fame. One of the best Chargers receivers of all time. No Chargers question. Hall of Fame. He absolutely. may end up going down as the best Chargers wide receiver of yes. all time if we're just looking at overall stats. But he may just need to do a little bit more to get into the Hall of Fame. How, how many total yards did you say he had receiving? 8,000 and change? 8,535, which is spectacular. Yeah, It's great. So there's but arguably... There's it's, arguably just, it's amazing what he did. From 2013, when he, his rookie season, when he ended up getting just over a thousand yards, and then it was 783, 725. 2016, unfortunately, was the, the the unfortunate year for him. Only 63 yards that year, but he has just taken off like a rocket ever since. And I'm so glad I did not take with that bet with Dan two years ago, in that he predi- he correctly predicted what his over under production was going to be. So. Keenan Allen's right there. Do I think he's a first? If, if he made it into the Hall of Fame, would he be first ballot? Probably not. But going down as arguably the greatest charge receiver of all time, he's got he's got that within his grasp to break over the next two years. I I did a quick look, Jake, just to kind of see. I wasn't sure if I had maybe spoken too soon with him being a Hall of Famer or not. There's like legit like twenty something guys in the hall of fame that have more yards than him. Like, okay. Just for reference, like he's got 8,000, 8,500 or whatever it is. Like, obviously the goat Jerry rice has almost 23,000 yards, which is like three times what he has. T.O. Randy Moss, Tim Brown, Marvin Harrison, Chris Carter, Andre Reed, Steve Largen, Art Monk, Charlie Joyner. All of these guys have over 12,000 yards. Michael Irvin, Lance Allworth, all have over 10,000 yards. So like he's still, pretty far down in the total yards. He's definitely far down in the touchdowns. Uh, so again, I think he continue what you're doing. You'll be in the hall of fame, but you're not done yet. Um, a couple last questions here, Jake. So, I'm just going to let that name stay there. But with the first games being divisional, if we start the season, zero and two, can we make 
Can we make still battle back? Can with, we still battle back with? Can we AFC still West? battle back with AFC West being so tough? So if the Chargers go one two, can the Chargers still win the AFC West? Yeah, you can. Damn, we said it on the mega crossover. Ideally, what you would like to see from, I mean, again, fastest road to the playoffs is obviously winning your divisional games, winning your division overall. But with the AFC West being this competitive, I just don't see it happening. But you get yourself in a position to make the playoffs, and that starts with winning your divisional games. I said optimistically, if the Chargers could go four and two in the division, that would be awesome because I would consider the AFC West to just be a gauntlet, the AFC conference in general to be a gauntlet. But teams in our division, man, are just going to beat the shit out of one another. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be crazy. It, it's going to be hard to go 0-2 and, and then come back to be 3-3. Three and three. That, You never don't want to put yourself in a hole with the right. first two and games. Chargers know a thing or divisional two games. Yes. So you definitely don't want to see it, but in the bigger picture of things through 17 games of the year, is it possible? Yes. It's not what you want to see, but it's possible. All right. Last question here, Jake, before we head out of here. Last question. If the Chargers win the AFC West, is Staley the coach of the year? I'd go one step further. If the Chargers win the AFC West, not only is Staley the head coach of the year, but we also have the MVP on this team. Would you agree? Wait, wait. So say it. Say it. Explain yourself there. If the Chargers win the AFC West, not only will Staley be coach of the year, so I'm agreeing with Reality Check that it yeah. will happen, but Justin Herbert will also be the MVP of the ah, league. Okay, I got you. Um. See, now this brings me back to the question that we were talking about: Does Justin Herbert need to replicate his stats that he had no. last year? And to which I said, to which I said, no. And it may not be the worst thing in the world because if there is now a two-headed monster at the running game that could take some pressure off him, if the defense is there to stop opposing offenses, if they can get more takeaways, if your special teams can perform the way you need it, basically, in a nutshell, if Justin Herbert doesn't have to play Superman, even though he's the best candidate to... He's the only guy who could do that to bring this team out of a hole... It may not be the worst thing in the world. If you make this team a more complete team, yes. If Justin Herbert ends up having the stats that he's had over the last two years and the team still ends up being that, you're talking about an all-world-beating status-type team. But again, you may not have to have all of those things take place to necessarily win a Super Bowl. I agree. If the running game can take a little bit off of Justin Herbert's shoulders, if you're not playing catch-up so many times in the fourth quarter or blowing fourth quarter leads from your defensive perspective and your offense has to bring you back week in and week out and Justin Herbert has to you know, make a drive of 19 first downs and so many completions just to even tie the game for crying out loud. I mean, is it awesome to watch? You're damn right. Doesn't mean I want to see it happen every week. No. Um, I don't think, I mean, again, I, I, if the Chargers win the AFC West, Justin Herbert will be the MVP. I'll put that right right now. And I don't think it matters what the, I think, obviously, his stats will have to be pretty darn good in order to win the AFC West. I mean, take it a step further, though, Dan. First off, Chargers, A, have to make the playoffs. You are still talking about playing against the AFC Conference, so which is yeah. still going to be tough. You win the so, AFC West. Well, I, I, again, I know that this is the hardest division in football that we're talking about. 
Yep. But to me, Justin Herbert has look what he's done in his first two years. You've already gotten rookie of the year two years ago. You had a great sophomore year on top of that last year. Pro Bowl. You just need to you need to secure a playoff win. Dan, if they made it to the playoffs and they didn't get a win off of that, I don't see how you could you could you could say that. I couldn't I couldn't bring that there. You have to notch a playoff win as a quarterback in this league in order to get that. Mm. Maybe. Okay, fine. Uh, (laughs) All right, we are wrapping up for Chargers Unleashed. Jake, I love doing these live shows because it has a little bit more juice in terms of like the topics are all over the place. We've talked about Kyle Van Noe, talked about Donald Parham, who again will be at Chicky Chicky Wings in Fontana. I will be there. Come stop by, say hi, Bolt fam, for the meet and greet. We talked about uh, Deshaun Watson. We talked about the AFC West. We talked about the Raiders. We talked about Dean Spanos. We've talked about camp battles. We've talked about JT Woods. I mean, there's all, all kinds of stuff. Um, and that's kind of the glory of these, of these episodes. Jake, anything else you want to tell the good people of Chargers Bolt fam on this Friday afternoon before we set out for a weekend filled of activities, of love, libations, positivity, good news spread across the country and each other's households. Damn, man. Are you sitting from like Good News Inc. in USA, California? Apparently you're there. Temecula. USA, (laughs) California. Well, I mean, you just you just (laughs) seem to be like the epicenter of happiness all of a sudden. So I was just wondering if you're in Temecula or if you're somewhere else. Yeah, I was just I was just asking. Well, tonight tonight we'll see how much happiness I actually get. I'm actually joining a neighborhood poker game (gasps) that was was great because we get a text message from the guy who's running it that apparently the response to it was bigger than he thought. So he texted everyone and says, I may need another table. I have no idea how many people are coming to this game tonight. All I know is the buy-in's $100. I have not played a poker game in like, you know, a neighborhood style in a long, long time. So I'm sure the libations will definitely soften the blow of what I'm going to lose tonight. I've got a wedding tomorrow night and then uh, I got Jurassic World on Sunday. So so we'll see what happens. Okay. Now, do you think that the uh, underestimating of the poker tournament was as bad as the underestimating Taco Bell had for the Mexican pizza? (laughs) Um, I hope not. Well, it, Dan, it depends. It depends on how you look at it because the the ultimate results of the Mexican pizza coming back were probably not as favorable as Taco Bell would have wanted. But at the same time, when you told me this, that they were out of ingredients to make Mexican pizzas, I'm like, wait a minute. I could go upstairs right now and make a Mexican pizza with the ingredients. <laughs> and this, we're talking about Taco Bell here. How do you not have these ingredients? <laughs> Tortilla, meat, cheese, tomatoes. <laughs> You got to wonder, but apparently Jake, they underestimated how popular they were by seven times. So they no longer have the ingredients to stock up all the Taco Bell. So um, I'm probably going to try to get a Mexican pizza this weekend. Um, I'll be at Chicky Chicky Wings with Donald Parham and the Bolt fam. You'll be watching movies at a wedding and playing poker. I hope you win. Um, We'll see if anybody has, uh, has eyes on this episode before your poker tournament. Jake, what's your lucky hand? In poker. My lucky hand? I have a lucky, a lucky hand, hand. Where like if I get these on the draw, I'm like ready to go. Let's go. I'm, I'm going in. My lucky hand is if my bluffs start working and I can bullshit someone. So essentially I have nothing. 
Okay. And so if that like, works, that's my lucky hand. hand. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. King seven. If I ever get a King seven, I'm like, let's ride. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm Brandon Staley on the Broncos. Let's ride. All right, guys. Uh, for Jake Hefter, you can find him and his fantastic hairdo, his scruff at Jake T. Hefter. You can find myself at Chargers Homer. Again, LAC underscore Unleashed on Twitter. Check us out on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. We're everywhere. Uh, in the meantime, have a great weekend. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe. We love you. Have a great time. And we'll talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed.